0: Well, it's a pleasure to truly have you all here. Uh, it's truly a pleasure to have you all here. It's uh, great to just have a time of a moment where we can just focus our attention and really just consider the Word of God. Amen? L- look, uh, if you've been around any, any length of time, or maybe this is your first time, uh, we're not running gimmicks here, we're teaching the Word teaching the Word. For some people, it's, man, that's just too simple. Well, the gospel is not complicated. (laughs) It's not. And so today we have the privilege of sharing the Word of God. And uh, we've been on a series the last couple of weeks entitled Stand Firm in the Faith. How many of you know that you can stand firm in your faith? How many of you know that? Some of us, we're kind of going like, I'm not Sure, you know, this doesn't always work. I'm struggling in an area. Listen, it's okay. No judgment in that. What's not okay is to stay there. Amen. And so over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the books of First and Second Thessalonians, really 1 Thessalonians. Um, and what we've been looking at is the uh, Paul's letters by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a people in Thessalonica. What's interesting about these people, as I've mentioned over the last two weeks, is that these people only had about three weeks around that time with Paul? That was it. And then the Bible does record in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Timothy went back to them after the fact and he went uh, to encourage them. Paul had concerns, and when Timothy comes back, Timothy says, Man, they are, they, they are a firm group of believers, they are solid. They're growing. They love God and they love each other. They're established in faith, hope, and love. Um, there's a visible, tangible uh, experience that they're having as a result of their faith. And, and Paul's encouraged by them. And so as we've done over the last two weeks, I want to just point your attention very briefly to 2 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 as the end point. This is where Paul is wrapping up his second letter to them. And in light of everything he's said to them, in in light of everything he's taught them, in light of all that he's heard, great reports about them, he's encouraging them to do something still in light of where they are. He says, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Simply put, Paul is saying, hey, you are chosen as God's very best of the vine. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at your life that way, but Christ Jesus lives in you. I said Christ Jesus lives in you. Listen, God's very best. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. And what did he give? He gave Jesus. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the very presence, power, essence of who God is, his nature, his character, lives in you. The very best is in you. And you're chosen to bear fruit as a result of that. That's good news. That's good news. Regardless where you've been, what you struggle with, what you might find yourself in, you are God's very best. Chosen to produce good fruit. That's good news. I can just pause. I can just stop right there and we can close out the service. Right? But no, we're going to go for more and more today. Say this with me. More and more. Oh, come on now. Don't act like a team. Say this with me. More and more. More and more. I hope you're... I hope you, you're following where I'm taking you here because we're going to see some things from the Word of God today. Verse 14 goes on to say, He called you, say that's me. that's me. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That warrants us pausing right there. I've covered this as an intro over the last two weeks, but I want you to see what Scripture's saying. That because you're chosen by God, To produce the first fruits of all that he's deposited in you. He goes on to say that he set you apart according to the truth that you've believed. And he's called you through this gospel of Jesus Christ that you might share in the glory. That simply means his excellence, his magnificence, his very most high opinion, his promises, his word. We've deduced, I know I did growing up, when we looked at the glory, we talked about, all the glory of God falling down. Stop. It's not that complicated. The glory of of God, the glory of Jesus Christ, the one that you and I share in, is simply all that's excellent in Christ. All that's magnificent about Christ. And God's opinion of Jesus and you. Hey, that's what you share in this faith. That's powerful stuff. And so in verse 15, in light of everything that we've just heard in verses 13 and 14, he says, so then, in other words, because you now know this, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast. Stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. What is Paul saying here? What is the Holy Spirit pointing us to? Hey, you've got some good stuff in Jesus. And because of everything that you've received in Christ, you have every reason and you should take the opportunity to stand. Stand firm. Hold fast to that which you've believed because it's sufficient enough to sustain you and to carry you through in this walk with Christ. Amen? Amen. And so today we're going to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and I'm not going to read all chapter 3, we're going to touch on verses 12 and 13, but in essence, in chapter 3, Paul is telling them of his hopes to one day see them again. He's saying, man, I want to see you again, that I might be able to encourage you with something that will encourage your faith. I've heard of all that God has done in you. I'm so excited, but I want to just come and I want to see you and I want to love on you. And I've heard of the love that you have for us. And so that's where Paul's at in the majority of chapter 3. But in verses 13 and 14 of 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, verses 12 and 13, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I feel like Paul is setting them up. Like he's introducing something that they haven't thought of. And so let's turn there and read there, and then we'll jump into chapter 4 of of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, And so chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, he says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. I want you to think about what Paul's saying. Paul's talking to a people whom he's heard, Love the Lord, love one another, they love others, they excel at it. And watch what Paul's praying. He says, I'm praying that there would be an increase of that in your life. That something more would come from that. That you would go to a greater extent in this love that you've received that you've received and this love that you expressed. In verse 13. He builds upon that and he says, May he strengthen your hearts. It's literally, what he's saying is, the, What he's saying there is, May he strengthen you in your belief, in your faith. That's what he's talking about. The Bible says that with the heart we believe, and with the mouth we confess. So Paul's saying, I'm praying that you be strengthened even more in what you've come to believe. So that you will be blameless. That simply means that you won't trip up. It's what it's saying in the Greek. So that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. God's desire here is clearly transparent to us. It's revealed. He's he's saying you should increase more and more. You can be strengthened more and more in what you've come to believe. I don't know about you. But more and more sounds good to me. More and more sounds good. How many of you want more of Jesus? How many of you want to know him more? How many of you want to know more of God's will and his purposes for your life? How many of you want to understand the promises of God to a greater extent? How many of you want to stand firmly, securely, no matter what comes your way? More and more. Listen closely. This gospel and this walk of faith promises us more. There's a promise of increase. There's a promise of growth for you and I. Here's the beauty of it. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Until the very day where we are once again in the presence of the Lord. Face to face. Scripture says that now we know in part. But then we'll know just as we are known. There will come a day when you are before the Lord. And you will be recreated. You will be regenerated. You will put on a new temple. It will not be one that experiences pain and hurt. That feels. That goes through these challenges. It will be one that is in the presence of the Lord. There's more. There's more. There's more. And so, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, Paul now builds upon this this drawing, this invitation, where he's saying, hey, I'm praying that you increase. I'm praying that you grow to a greater extent in your faith that something would be built in you that would take you beyond where you're at. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Starting at verse 1, he says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as, in fact, you are living. Now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, say this with me, to do this more and more. Oh, come on, you sounded like a group of teens right now. Say this with me. To do this what? More and more. More and more. He goes on to say, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Verses 3 to 8. We're going to pause there for a moment because I want to just dive into that for a minute. This is kind of a rabbit trail, but it's necessary to say In verse 3, he says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. In other words, that you should be set apart, that you should live according to what God has done in you. He's set you apart as holy, chosen for good things, for good purposes. And so he says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual morality, that each of you should learn to control your own body. In a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust. He's simply talking about desire, a strong desire. So he says, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. He says, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure. But to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, in these verses, Paul is bringing forth a reminder that our lives, number one, that we're to go more and more beyond where we are. Listen. Listen. I want you to think of it this way. God, you accepted Jesus. How many of you would just say that was good? It's good stuff, right? It's real good stuff, right? You are, you've received truth. How many of you say that, that's good stuff, right? Yeah. That's real good stuff, right? How many of you would say that you are in a process of change since you've accepted Christ? Yeah. Things are being transformed. How you think, how you understand things, how you approach life, how you see circumstances. Good stuff, right? Good stuff. But Paul says, hey, it's more and more. And in verses 3 through 8, and I wish I didn't have to touch on this, and this is just a rabbit trail. This is not where we're landing today. But in light of the days that we're in and the world that we live in, even amongst the church today, there have been things that have been accepted as normal, they're acceptable. They're common, which should not be, which should not be. Listen, I'm not here standing on my soapbox preaching about sin. Sin has been dealt with. But listen closely for people who have received Christ are forgiven, are loved and The Word of God, that same Word that He exalted above His very name, that Word says that you are chosen, you are holy, you are sanctified, you are set apart for good works. That Word that declares you in the likeness of God, restored, redeemed, a child of God, seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus, that Word reminds us, hey, don't forget that you're set apart. Don't go there. Don't go there. And the reason why I feel the need to share this is because we live in a world where, for some, it's like, hey, pff, I'm covered by the grace of God. You surely are, but you have to bite those consequences. You have to live according to those consequences because you chose that. Now, I'm not, when I say you, I want to be very clear. I'm not pointing any fingers. I am not pointing fingers. I'm not pointing at anyone here. Please don't hear that. There's no condemnation in this. It's just simply truth. Because of what Jesus has done, guess what? We get to live a good life. We get to walk in forgiveness, even when we fall short. But that is not, that is not an excuse to do so. That cool? So we can move right along? All right, good stuff. All right, just say, and I'm going to tell you why I paused there it, because it's in the Word. It's in the word. It's in the word. That is a part of this grace message. You've received grace. Paul puts it this way. How shall we live in sin? After what we've received. There's no point in remembering the old man and participating with that. We got a better life ahead of us. Right? Okay, so moving right along. It got real quiet for a moment. Verse 9. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you. In other words, Paul's saying, you know this. You know this. You got this. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. Verse 10. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout all Macedonia. Watch this. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters. Somebody say, that's me. He says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, in other words, pay close attention to this. Excel in this. Do this. He says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, hmm, to do so, say this with me, more and more. More and more. More and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business. Well, <laughs> well, well, you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. Can I just pause right there and say something about this? You know, I just feel to, to go this way with this, so I'm just going to go there. It is not our job to tell people how to live their walk of faith. Now, let me just, say, let me just tell you what I mean by that. Let me tell you, I didn't say it's not our job to speak the truth. What I'm saying is it's not our job to play the role of the Holy Spirit. Let me say this to you amongst brethren, brothers and sisters, right? Amongst brothers and sisters. Amongst the body of Christ, it is not my job nor is it yours to go to another brother or sister in Christ and say, you need to be doing this and you should be doing that and you are doing this and you are doing that. Uh, we have a Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth and points us things to come. And the way he does it is through love and he's gentle. Let's not play the role of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you've come here for counseling, you've come here to talk, and the very first thing I I tell people is, my job is not to tell you what to do. My job is to point you to the word. That's my job, to equip you according to the word. Let's see what God's word has to say about this. At the end of the day, you and I have to work out our own salvation. And you know what's, what's beautiful about working out our own salvation? That's a lifetime process. So let's stay in our lane. Let's not condemn or judge or put down somebody because of what they don't know. Because of what they don't understand from the word. You know what Paul says about that? He says, The weaker amongst you, focus on them, serve them, build them up, walk alongside them. We saw that last week when Paul said, You know how we came amongst you? We not only did we share the gospel, we lived our lives amongst you. Yeah. Right? That okay? okay? All right, good. Let's move along. Right? And so Paul says in verse 12, he says, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. And so I want you to consider in verse, verse 1 and in verse 10 what Paul says. In verse 1 he says, look, all these other matters that we've instructed you with how to live and in order to please God as in fact you're living, uh, he says, now we ask you this. In other words, here's what he's saying. You're already doing all this. You're living according to faith. You're walking in all this. It's yours. And yet he says, I urge you, do so more and more. You know, you know what that tells us? No matter where we are in our walk with Christ, here's the hope that we have. Here's the beauty of this gospel. Here's the beauty of a walk in Christ. Where you are is not meant where you're meant to where you are is not where you're meant to stay. There's more for you to experience in the life of faith. There's more. I said there's more. Listen, there's more. There's more understanding from the word. There's more to experience of the power of God. There's more to experience as you trust God. There's more to grow in. There's more. It's more and more and more and more and more. The question is, the question is this. Do we settle for where we are? Because if we stay there, then guess what? It's less. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with where you are right now and your your level of understanding and growth. Listen, grow where you are. Bloom there. Bloom there. Grow there. I was touching on this last week. I, I don't have time to get into it. Check out the podcast. Go to our website. Go to the app, whatever. Go on iTunes. You'll hear it. But the point is this. Wherever you are is not where you're meant to stay. You're meant to go further, farther, more, and more. And so I want you to consider this, that Paul is talking to a strong body of believers. Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, Paul rejoices. He says, and I remember you for your work of faith, your labor of love, your hope in Christ Jesus. Man, you're strong. And yet he's talking to a strong people. He's talking to people that some might say you might conclude and go, well, they got it all together. What else is there to do? No, Paul says, more and more. I urge you to do so more and more. In other words, keep pressing forward. If you're looking for a big idea today, here's what I want you to think about. That faith abounds more and more. Your faith is meant to abound more and more. It compels us, it pushes us forward as we grow in an understanding of who we are in Christ, who Jesus is in us, what the Word of God says. Here's what it does is it pulls us forward more and more and more, more. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14 says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, pressing, pushing, running, going towards. He says, I'm stra- straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus hey the guy that wrote this the guy that the holy spirit dropped this in his heart and inspired him not just to write it to the thessalonians but saw it fit that we would receive these words that we that guy right there that guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, that guy right there that was taught directly from Jesus Christ, that guy right there that guy that raised somebody from the dead and did great miracles by his hands that guy right there who was killed stoned and he was raised again when he was persecuted that guy right there says this I haven't arrived there's still more for me to get that guy right there And so why do I share that with you? I'm glad you asked. Look, let me ask you a question. Have you started on your journey in life with Christ? Hey, listen, even if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you stepped into this place, you took a step. You took a step, praise God. So we're all in process, right? Have you been experiencing some change over the time since you came to know Jesus Christ? Right? Are you still learning and growing? Yeah. So guess what? You're in the same boat as Paul. Yeah. More, and more. more and more. Press. Strain forward. I'm not talking about make yourself get it. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Paul's heart was this. Man, there's more than yeah. all. I think I've shared this before, but husbands, we, we, we're wise enough to know that as long as we've been married to that beautiful woman that we call our wife, there's more to know. And wives, although he's almost perfect, and he's almost arrived. (laughs) (laughs) Let me stop, let me stop. That just applies to me. No, No, let me stop. I'm I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Please don't leave here with that perception of me. Listen, he's a work in progress, right? But we're all pressing towards more. We're pressing towards more. See, I want you to think about this according to what we see in Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14 that there is more in store. There's more in store with faith. Can I just encourage you with a thought? Don't ever allow yourself to get to a place where you say, I got it all together. I know all there is to know. Oh, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but I know this. Can I just with complete love say this? None of us has arrived. Not even me. See, we're not to take pride in what we know. We're to take pride in who we know. In who we know. In who we know. This can be day one for you in Jesus. This can be day 40, uh, year 40 for you and Jesus. No matter where you are, just understand this, that we all have the same measure of faith. Why? Because we all have Jesus. We all have Jesus. So we should press more and more. Amen? Amen. All right. And so I just want to give you God's opinion about this matter of pressing towards more and more. John 14, verses 12 through 14. Jesus speaking says, Most assuredly, in other words, you can bank on this. This is for real. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Whoa, that's pretty big. And greater works than these will he do. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Did you catch that? In verse 12. Not only are you called to do what I do, you're called to do greater works. How many of you know he's talking about more? More. Oh, pastor, but that's Jesus. That's the Jesus that lives in you. That's the Jesus that lives in you. That's the power at work in you. You know, the Bible, can I, can I, give, can I, give, can I give you something really deep from the word? Like really, really deep. You got to be ready to receive this. You sure? You ready for this? Ready. Do you know that when the Bible says, greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world? It's true. Did you know that? Did you know that? Yeah. I did. Listen, it's true. It is absolutely true. And it's the very reason why you can. And you do all things according to the power at work in you. Oh, I'm glad I brought that up. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Let's pause right there. That's God's part, right? Man, that's talking all about God. No, stop. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. Do I have any us's here? Hello, you better hear what the word is saying. You better hear what God's opinion is. Listen, there is a power at work in you and I that is greater, that is more than what we can conceive in our own mind. And as we step one step of faith at a time to another step of faith at a time, here's what we begin to do. That power empowers us and we grow stronger. And stronger and stronger to the point that you could do what Isaiah says. He says, I'm a walk and I'm not going to grow weary. He, he, he says, I'm not going to faint. He says, I can run and I'm not going to grow tired. Listen, you can do this. There's a power at working you. It beckons you. It invites you to more and more. Romans 8, 35 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distresses or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37, he says, yet in all these things, in other words, in in spite of all this other stuff, yet in all these things, we are, say this with me, more than conquerors. Oh, that was weak. We are more than conquerors. Why? Through him who loved us man, that preaches right there. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you've been doing this for a while and you say, I'm tired, man. Somehow I feel like this isn't always working for me anymore. I'm not, just a, I'm not excited as I used to be. I'm struggling in some areas. Listen to God's opinion, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't give up, don't slack up, don't back up. Get going. Faith calls you forward more and more. So let me give you a couple of reasons as we're closing out here on why we go for more and more. I'm not, this is not where we're going to land, but this is just, I just want to use this story briefly to make a point. The Bible talks about a woman who had experienced quite some challenges in her life. The Bible specific that she was going through this stuff for over 12 years. She had an issue of blood is what the Bible says. And this woman, the Bible says, spent all that she had, all her resources. She was pressing towards what doctors could provide her. And the Bible says that she spent it, and she was none the better. As a matter of fact, it says that she was worse off. She was worse off. And so one day, she gets wind. She hears that Jesus is walking by. She hears the crowds. She can feel the energy, the excitement. But you see, the law said, you don't belong there. Your issue precludes you it exempts you from being amongst all the people. In other words, society shunned her. And this particular woman, the Bible says that when she saw that it was Jesus and she heard Jesus was passing by, she did something. I just want to pause right there for a moment. Every one of us here has heard about Jesus, even if this is your first time. You've heard me say his name at least 200 times already, right? We all hear Jesus. We all hear about Jesus. We've all heard it. Some of us, we've been in church for a while. Some of us, we're seasoned in this. We're bursting at the seams with fruit. We can teach this. We can, we can preach this. We, awesome. Praise God. But this woman was not satisfied simply with just what she heard. The Bible says that this woman goes amongst the crowd And she's pressing in to the crowd. Pressing in towards Jesus. And as she's pressing towards Jesus, she continually says this to herself repetitiously. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch him, I shall be made well. She was convinced of who Jesus was. But she wasn't satisfied with just staying where she'd been. She begins to press and to press and to press. And the Bible says that she ends up touching the hem, the very edge of his garment. And that all of a sudden, immediately, that flow of blood ceases. The Bible says that Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? Jesus, you're crazy, the disciple said. How can you say, who touched me? All these people are pressing upon you. Bible says that Jesus says, "No. I felt power flow from me." Something happened. The Bible says that this woman comes and she falls at her knees at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks at her, and he says to her, in Mark chapter 5: 34, "Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace." And be healed of your affliction. I want you to think about what Jesus said to her. He says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has turned your circumstances around. He says, now you can go in peace. You no longer have to live the way you've lived. You no longer have to put up with that burden, that weight upon your life. He says, go in peace. Be healed. Walk in your healing is what he's saying to her. I want to point something out to you that when you press towards more than what you've heard about Christ, you experience more and more of his power. Listen, the more you get to know Jesus, the more empowered you are. Why? Because you begin to discover what's available to you. You begin to walk in an assurance and a confidence and an authority that what God says is true. And what you begin to do as you know Jesus, let me be clear, as you know Jesus, I'm not talking about theological exercises, I'm talking about knowing Christ. I said this last week, and I'll say it again today, there's one object, there's one focal point to our faith, it is Jesus Christ, it is Jesus Christ. Listen, I could tell you about all these other things, but if we miss Jesus in the midst of it, we've done nothing. 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 See, as you press towards Christ, here's what happens you begin to see who Christ is in you, you begin to see who you are, you begin to walk in that power. And listen to me, every single one of you today here said this. This was your confession. This was what you said. You said, there has been change in my life since I came to know Christ. Hey, you are living proof of the power of God at work in you as you press towards Christ more and more and more. It's not that complicated. No Jesus and no life. Seriously. Know Jesus and know the life that God has for you. That's all that happens. As you know Jesus more and more, you know life in Christ more and more. You're encouraged. You walk in that more and more. Now I'm going to throw you a, I'm going to come at you from left field and throw you a curveball. Matthew chapter 5, 41. In context here, Jesus is talking to a people, the people of Israel. These people are harassed. They're burdened. Life is heavy. They've viewed God as the hammer and they're the nail. And in in the midst of all this, Jesus is speaking to them contrary to everything they've ever been taught. Right here in the midst of this, in a couple of verses before that, Jesus says, I I know you've heard eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, but I have a better way for you. Love your enemies. Forgive. Oh, I know you've been taught, you know, You got to do this for God and you got to do that for God and you got to do this for God and you got to do that for God to be right with God. And he says, no, 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 no. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Follow me. Because I'll lead you in a better way. I'll show you how this works. And so in the midst of all that, Jesus says these words in Matthew 5, 41. He says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, to us, you might just go, okay, go two miles. But I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Jesus is talking about a law, a Roman law in those times, that stated that any Roman soldier can approach an able-bodied Jew and at any given point force them to carry their equipment for the measure of one mile. Now, think about this. You as a Jew, for example, let's put ourselves in those shoes. This Roman soldier hates you. This empire has stripped you. They They have imposed upon you unjust taxes. They despise you. You're treated as a rag. And this Roman soldier comes to you and says, you, you, take my equipment. Which, by the way, it's theorized it was above 100 pounds in those days. Pick up my bags, take all my stuff, and carry it. And Jesus says to them, if they compel you to go one mile, here's what I say, go two miles. what, What is Jesus getting at here? Jesus is teaching them about the power of love. Listen, anyone can go one mile when it comes to living according to love. Anyone could do that. All you got to do is just look to your left and your right. Love your kids. Love your friends. Love your family. Love the people that you, you, you care about most. But Jesus says, hey, that person that you despise, That person that's hurt you. Those people that you want nothing to do with. This world that you live in. He says, don't just go one mile, go two. What's the point that Jesus is making here? See, when you press towards more and more with your faith and with this love that you've received, your experience becomes more and more of his love received. Listen, I, I, I don't know why, but I, I just keep going back to this particular scripture over the last two weeks. And I'm just going to say it again because it's important. The Bible says that faith works by love. You want your faith to work? You want to stand strong in faith? Hey, instead of getting all these Bible facts and reciting all this scripture, why not get back to the basics and start going two miles? Love is a language that this entire world can understand. The question is are we going two miles? Make sense? That love that saved you. That love that pulled you out of a pit. That love that forgave you. That love that transforms you. That love that leads you towards more and more. That love, that love needs to be released more and more. Don't just stop where you are in living according to love. Go the extra mile. Go two miles. You know what I love about that scripture? That here's what it reveals to us. We're built to go further, farther, longer. Why? Because we have the love of God. And that love is what this world means. Which leads me into my next point as we're wrapping up here. First Thessalonians 4.12 gives us another great reason why we should continue to press more and more in matters of faith and life in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.12 says this, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, that you may lack nothing. That Greek word properly there speaks of nobility. It speaks of honesty. It speaks of good form. But here's how it's referring to it. It speaks of nobility, honesty, and good form that results in the respect of another. And so here's what I want you to consider that when you press towards more and more with your faith, it touches the lives of those in most need. Listen, I know we all want to know Jesus more, but don't forget that as you know Christ, somebody else should see Him in your life. Don't forget that there needs to be a tangible expression. Faith needs an outlet where Jesus can be seen. Don't be timid at your job any longer. Don't be. T- somebody needed to hear that here. Don't be timid at your job. Don't hold back with your customers when they're sharing with you their life and their struggles and their challenges, and and maybe they're going through some bout with sickness or. Whatever. Don't you hold back? No, you share the good news. You show them Jesus. You love them through it. You walk through them through through it with them if you have to, but you go two miles. I am. I am so thankful for people that God has put in my life. You know the Bible says that iron sharpens iron? I didn't know I was iron at a time. I thought I was clay. I thought I was weak. And I thank God for men and women, even children. Because even when I was a youth pastor, man, working with kids, there were days, man, where I was just like, I felt like I was in the pits. Felt like I didn't know what I was doing. And a kid would come to me and say, Pastor, thank you. Pastor, thank you for what you're teaching me. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for that. You took us out on a trip and you spent time with us and, and, and what you're doing here and what you, how we're growing and And I thank God for the men and women that came alongside me, that in those moments when I was down, they were up, even if it was just a little bit more, that they took the time to say, man, come on, let's do this together. I'm going to tell you why I'm thankful. Because I had heard about Jesus. But I was meeting Jesus all those times as I walked alongside people and people walked alongside me that dared to share and live their faith. Listen, you're called to more and more. Don't stay stuck. Don't muzzle the gospel. No, this gospel is power. The scriptures say that it is the power of God, but watch for what? For your salvation. That's not just talking about what you, when you accept Jesus. That's talking about for everything that pertains to salvation for the rest of your life. It's power. And lastly, as we're closing here, I want to give you one more reason why we should press more and more in our faith. Tell you why. Because God goes for more. You know, when it comes to relationships, there's nothing more encouraging than being in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, a marriage, or whatever, with people that push you to more and more. They, they're not just telling you keep going. Oh no, they, they're going. Sometimes they're even ahead of you and they're saying, come on, we got this. That's the relationship that we have with God. That's how faithful our God is. In 1 Thessalonians four thirteen through 18, Paul says this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God speaking to us. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Let me tell you what's happening here. This body of believers had heard that Jesus would return. But there's people that have died that have been in the faith as they're looking forward to that. And so rumblings start to develop and they're going, well, what happened to them is... This it? I guess we got it good, and they just—they're going to miss out. And so Paul is bringing some instruction; he's bringing some greater insight. He goes on to say in verse fourteen: "For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him." Let me ask you a question: Do you know anybody? that's a part of the body of Christ that passed since you've been walking? I'm going to show you something. Christ is yet to come. And what Paul is saying is, don't worry about it. They will rise again. But watch this. Verse 15, he says, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, what he's saying is, they're going to get to go before us when Christ comes back. He says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. While we're currently located here on earth, God's word declares that God's not done. Jesus is coming back. And so you see this body that you deal things with, according to scripture, there will come a day where there will be no more pain. No more tears, no more hurt, because you will be clothed with a heavenly body that he will put upon you. And the Bible says that he will, we will come back onto this earth and we will reign with him on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul was pointing them to see this. Hey, above everything else that you press more and more towards, just know this, God's still got more in store for you. And God's going for more in your life. That's hope, ladies and gentlemen. There's more. Don't you ever forget that God calls you. He invites you to a life of faith that beckons you. Hey, come on. There's more. Keep going. Keep pressing. Keep going towards the prize of the high calling that's yours in Christ Jesus. It gets better. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word today, which is truth. It is spirit, it is life. It points us to Christ. Lord, today I thank you that today we see Christ with new eyes, that we've heard the truth, that faith has come. And working in and through our lives. Father we thank you. For all that you've done in Jesus. We thank you Lord for the invitation. That says. Let's go for more. We receive that truth. No matter where we are Lord. We understand. We're not done. We haven't arrived. But Lord here's one thing that we certainly do understand. We've left. We've left. We're not where we used to be. And we're certainly going where your word promises. Thank you for it, Father.